Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. How are you guys doing? Good, RJ. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. So for our audience, if they don't know who you are, kind of briefly introduce yourself and tell them what you do in real estate investing. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Adam Southey. I've been in real estate now off and on for about 15 years. You name it, I've done it. I mean, I've a realtor, house builder, flipper, landlord. And uh, I found land about four years ago and got started with it. And it's been the best thing I ever did. And we just kind of, um, from where we were then, we started off with the smaller properties. We've scaled. Justin and I have got, come together on some things. And yeah, it's just been a really good adventure uh, up until now. I'll let Justin know. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, my Justin Sleva, we started uh, real estate investing about four years ago. Me and Adam had an Amazon company together. You know, everybody's okay. all about side hustles and doing that stuff. And at that time I had a private label supplement company and a, we had a private label um, Amazon company. We had a couple number one products. And then he comes to me and says, dude, I want to get back in real estate. I was like, great. We're about to do this. And he says, yeah, I'm going to do it by myself. And I go, Oh, okay. So fast forward, he's like, but you can do it too. And I'll show you what we, we do is go along the way. And so after about three years of doing that, we said, Hey, let's share our journey in a podcast. Um, during that time I had started my real estate company. I was full time in it. And I opened a private funding company where we were the only company that would private fund and joint venture raw land deals. Because uh, like hard money for houses and assets like that are easy to find. But finding somebody that's willing to put up their money on raw land, no credit checks, we would do that for you. So we started that company too. And we went into, uh, into the, um, the podcast world and started sharing that journey. And that's what kind of brought us back together. And since we had a, our last live event, we announced Project One, which we did. And we took, uh, put 60,000 blind offers out. It's over a billion dollars in blind offers and generated 2 million in off-market equity. And Man, that's amazing. So I, real quick, before we jump into too much of the real estate stuff, I just want to touch base on the podcast side of things. Because, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think I ever really talk about this too much on the show. And, and there's, look, a lot of real estate investors and other entrepreneurs that watch the show. Why did you guys start a podcast and, and what are some of the benefits that you've seen from being a podcast host? So the cool thing about a podcast is you can touch more people than you normally would. Mm -hmm. um, I had been doing a guest appearance on a, another highly rated land podcast as for was called Finance Friday. And mm -hmm. since I was one of the few companies that would fund deals for raw land investors, it was advantageous for them to have somebody like that on there. And we, uh, everybody started kind of feeling our story because we were still active investors. And what we find in a lot of podcasts in, you'll see like these people that are a little bit older generation. They've been doing, they've done it all for all these years and they really don't do deals anymore. So they didn't know the yeah. current climate of what's going on. So our story started, people started asking questions and wanting to know more and more about it. And we said, why don't we just share our journey as we're going through this? We do three episodes a week. Um, they're 15, 20 minutes. So it's not a huge time investment for somebody, mm -hmm. but it's allowed us to build our network. And, you know, as we teach and consult and coach and, you know, just share our story. People, you know, a quick question to us, like, oh yeah, we ran into that. It may be a deed issue or a, a problem that they can continue to grow their wealth with just that little tidbit. Just usually it's a little tweak usually on a lot of stuff. It's not this big, massive problem. So the podcast for us has allowed us to reach more people and build that network, which cliche as it sounds, network is your net worth. And right. we uh, have been able to do that and partner on deals, private fund deals, you know, get wholesale deals, sell wholesale deals, you know, so it's worked advantageous for us and 
all aspects of our real estate businesses. What about you, Adam? What are some of the benefits that you've seen from the podcast? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of things that Justin said. When we first got started with this, it's just he, you know, him and I, right? We're the only two people that we know outside of the few land investors that we met <clears throat> through some other things, right? But as people start listening to your show and it continues to grow and then all of a sudden you've got this network of people that you never even would have imagined could have happened if you hadn't got out there and shared your story. And we try and be really authentic on our show too. So we don't just sell you a bunch of hype, right? We share our failures as well. And so mm -hmm. that allows people to know that we're real because we're actively buying and selling land every day and we're learning and um, we're going to run into headaches, right? And so we share that and it's just expanded everything that we do. Yeah. I mean, for me, this was all about just trying to give back to the real estate investing community because real estate investing changed my life. And I was like, look, I had been a guest on a couple of podcasts. I really enjoyed it. And I was like, man, if I could just, you know, get behind the mic and maybe this is something I could fall into. And now I, I really enjoy it. It's probably one of my favorite things that I do on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I, I don't do three episodes a week like you guys. I usually only do one. Yeah. Uh, but, but man, I, I'm getting so many more guests now that the coronavirus has come out. This is <laughs> everybody's now booking that I've been trying to get booked for a while. So let's talk yeah. about land investing. So, you know, you guys talked about y'all made, you know, 2 billion blind offers and you created $200 million in equity. I mean, that's, that's amazing. But what kind we of didn't say those exact numbers. We didn't say those exact numbers, <laughs> but there's right. a disclaimer there. Somewhere close, but, Go close. but it's still impressive regardless of even if it was like a 10th of that. But you know, what kind of raw land are y'all going after and how are you monetizing those deals? Yeah. So it's, that's kind of changed over the years too. Cause when we first got started, or at least for myself, when I first got started, I was pretty broken, broke. Um, I just coming off of a, um, a failed real estate business, but I wanted to get back into it. And I had heard where you could go out and buy land for a hundred bucks an acre. And that mm -hmm. was perfect for me because that's literally all I had. Right? <laughs> and so I, I jumped out there and bought, uh, three two and a half acre parcels out in the desert i paid 250 bucks a piece and uh, i turned around and i sold them for um a thousand bucks a piece right and these were just like i never would have assumed anyone would have wanted this stuff because it's just junk right uh, but they did right and so then when when that happened we found well man if we can um make money buying them for 250 sell them for a thousand why not move up and that's when we you know, Justin came up with this whole like bass boat property idea and I'll let him kind of jump in, but that's where we moved into now. Yeah. That's, you know, Adam kind of hit on the point desert property. A lot of people they'll talk about, oh, I did 20,000 transactions in land and they're buying these cheap desert squares, like an acre for 125 bucks and selling them on eBay for 300 bucks. Those are good ROIs when you look at it, but when you run a business, you have to cover your business cost. Right. And so a ton of people got in trouble in you know, different recessions and times because money wasn't there on those cheaper properties. So um, when I started, you know, right after Adam did, we, I'd mailed a desert area. We had bought 21 properties on our first marketing campaign and made $70,000 off of it. Um, and I was like, oh man, we've got this figured out. Well, what I didn't know is I didn't know how to price and I wasn't taught that. And I, so went out and I said, hey, I'm going to look from, we live in Fort Worth or Burleson. Uh, I took a two and a half hour drive, a radius on Google Maps said, hey, this is where I'm going to buy. And I started pricing the county's cheapest to the highest price. And then I mailed the cheapest ones and said, hey, I'm going to offer them a third. And that worked out to about a thousand dollar an acre property. I was offering them about three hundred thirty bucks. We ended up buying four properties there and generating over six figures on that one mailing campaign. And it was like, okay, now how many other markets are in the country right. that are with three hours of a of a major metropolitan area that are about a thousand dollars an acre, and we can offer a third and see what happens. So he mentioned the bass boat property, and we talk about the bass boat property because that's the property that's the same price as a Harley, the same price as a recreational vehicle, RV. 
a bass boat that's in that thirty dollars to $40,000 range. A guy usually has decent credit. He can go get a loan from his bank. Or if you offer owner financing, you can make a good return on that as well because you're mm-hmm. buying it at a third. He said, yeah, I'll give it to you. I want 20% down, charge you 10% interest, and I can do it up to 10 years. Guy's like, hey, man, I got this cabin property up in the mountains of Oklahoma. I can go hunt bear on, hunt. Right. And it only costs him two fifty a month, three hundred bucks a month, and it's not breaking a bank. He sells it to his wife as an investment, and everybody wins. I love it. So, in that regard, you know, say you go out and you buy it at that thirty three percent of of value, right? Mm-hmm. How long are you going to own it? Because say you use your own cash to buy it, mm-hmm. how long are you going to sit on it before, you, with all the marketing that you have to do to find that buyer? that husband that's going to come along and be like, Hey, I'm okay with spending $250 so I can hunt on this. How long does that normally take? Typically our our whole time is 105 days money in money out. Now that's quicker if we're willing to take less, but we try to maximize some of that. So there's a balance there. Now I could put on the market at 60% of value, double my money really quickly and get it gone in a week. But there's a balance there. You want to, you want to maximize to a point. But what I tell people is if you put it up there at 80, 85% of what it's value at, they're really interested and they make you an offer because they're always going to come in with a lower offer just mm-hmm. to feel like they got a good deal. You're still one and a half to two times your money and you take it and run. So in, in this scenario, because you know, y'all are probably going to be episode 123 and y'all yeah. are probably going to be the fourth people that I've, the fourth guest that I've had on that just do land. Right. Yeah. And, and I've never asked this question in regards to land. Is there ever a piece of land that you come across where it's like, this is just flat out worthless? Like, there's nothing I can do with this. I'll go jump in on that. Yeah. I'm going to say, well, it, it really depends. Like, that's such a broad, broad question and answer because there's uh, landlocked land out there mm-hmm. that we wouldn't personally buy, but people do buy them and they make money on it. It's just how much are you willing to pay, right? Because you can go online online right now and just buy still line and this is junk property but you can give a hundred bucks for it so would you um spend a hundred dollars on a landlocked property like that that's nothing right a hundred bucks is nothing because you can always get your money out of it and so it's all gonna depend for me at least maybe Justin will be different but it's all depend on the price where it's at what i can do with it i mean it's it's a broad answer yeah well let me be more specific then because Anytime I look at land, I'm always trying to think about what the exit strategy is for my buyer, especially if I'm going to sell it. Like, what are they going to utilize this for? Are they going to build on it? But you guys use that scenario of like, hey, these, my buyer might want to go hunt or fish on this. I mean, if you're talking about, hey, you're, you're buying land and maybe it's not landlocked. Let's just talk about maybe it's a swamp or marshland or it's got a mountain in it. Does that ever sway your opinion about so, the value? So let me, let me walk you through when we get a, so we send a blind offer out. Mm-hmm. Person says, yeah, I want it. We have a contingency and it says it has to meet in like our, what our requirements, our purchasing requirements. Right. So it comes back, we check for access. So we put it, as soon as we get it back, we use APM, we go to a GIS software, we pull up the parcel map. At that point, we can pull the Latin longitude, we throw it in Google earth. Now we get it on its side. We can see the 3D look of this property. Is the topography mm-hmm. usable? Is it over a three to one st- uh, slope on it? So can, you couldn't build on that from civil engineering standards. Is it, fl- is it flood land? Is it swamp? Is it this? And so we base our pricing off of recreational property, unimproved property. So the, the question is, is it worth something? Well, our blind offer may be adjusted. So like Adam said, you know, if it's landlocked or if it's a swamp, well, the guy next door may run a duck hunting farm or something. So you know, it may not be worth something to you and me to put on the open market, but we may put an option agreement against it and contact all the neighbors and market it for, 
you know, cost us 10 bucks in, right. in mail and, and market it to a neighbor and try to make a thousand or 2000 really quick. We have, we have some clients that make a ton of money. They came from the household selling world. So they were under, they understood knocking on doors and chasing leads. So they take a landlocked piece of property, contact the neighbors on an option agreement, sell it for $5,000 more than they had it under contract for. I so, love it. Yeah. So there is those exit strategies. So you have a ton of exit strategies, but when we're talking bass boat property, we're talking, we want solid access. We want usability, whether that's to build your cabin or whether it's just flat enough, you can run your cows or do whatever you want on it. Um, we want the value to be three, at least three times. Sometimes we knock it out of the park and hit, you know, four and five times. Sometimes it's a maybe lucky to get, you know, a 20 or 30% return. So then you adjust your pricing to that. So it's gotcha. a, the, the exit strategies are, you put them in place once you see the property back. So the marketing campaign goes out, generates the lead. We make it a hot lead with the blind offer. It comes in and then we push it through. Do you care about the size of the lot? Does that matter? I mean, is it like, hey, I don't want to go after just a half acre lot that's not big enough because the, the ROI is not going to be there or are you all still going after that? So the, the answer is both yes and no, right? Okay. Um, me personally, I prefer five acres and above. Okay. And the reason is, is the risk involved in it. So when you get over an acre, you typically have septic, right? So it's got a perk. When you have something that's a quarter acre in a city, if it doesn't have a sewer line to it, now you got to get a sewer line to it. How much is that going to cost you? So for velocity of the deal, I look at five acres and above because I can get it at about the same price as I can get some of these really nice city lots, but I don't have the risk involved with sewer lines, water lines. Is it going to perk? What kind of septic system? Is the county going to allow it? What's the building codes? I can worry about recreational property because there's so much just open land out across the country. We can reduce the risk on the front side and then speed up the profit on the backside. Okay. Completely random question, but y'all brought this up at the beginning. So I want to go back and talk <laughs> about it. The desert lots in the middle of nowhere that you're buying for a hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Who's buying it for $200 and what are they doing <laughs> with it? Is it just so I can say I own a piece of desert? I mean, yeah, what, what are you doing with it? The American dream. You'd be really surprised who would buy that stuff. So you've got truckers who will just uh, want to own land along their route. Mm-hmm. You've got people who collect land. You've got people that live in states where the housing is out, uh, housing price is outrageous. And so they just want to own some real estate. You've got the off-grid livers, the preppers. You've got the overlanders. Yeah, you name it. There's a group for it. Yep. I mean, that's funny. Cool. You said there's people that collect land and I'm like yeah. naturally a collector by nature. And now yeah. I'm like, this is my way. I could own like one, one piece of land in all 50 States. <laughs> yeah. Well think about like, um, places in Colorado, like Alamosa yeah. and Costilla, it's really pretty huge mountains everywhere. Right. And you can buy a five acre property market value for $6,000. And so crazy. you just want to own a piece of real estate and you're a collector. That's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> so you got beautiful views and, and we're picking those up anywhere from a thousand to 1800 bucks. Right. So, so y'all, you guys have talked about, you know, coaching and, and students that you have. So what does that look like and, and how do you guys work with your students there? So a couple different ways. Originally we started out consulting and the, um, and so after the guest appearance on that or the regular appearance on the other podcast, people started reaching out. And like I said earlier, a lot of times people that are in the business, they have a little tweaks and just need to be made to their, to their, their business plan or their, the way they're doing it. So, after about 200 clients of needing the exact same, like four or five core things, and then teaching them how to understand looking at properties, pricing on the front side and a property that comes in, how to comp it properly. We said, Hey, why don't we just put all this stuff that we've been talking about with these clients and put it down in a, a course that we call the blue land flipping blueprint. And it just walks you all the way through it. Um, and so we've done that. The, the good thing is, is 
it's helped a lot of people. Bad thing is it killed our consultant business because they bought the course and they have everything now. So they didn't need to call <laughs> for those tweaks, uh, which isn't, you know, I, I joke about that, but um, we do one-on-one consulting. We do deal reviews. We do, we have the course out there. Uh, we even have a book that your, your listeners can get really cheap for $7.99. It's coffeemoneyrei.com. And it talks about how to buy tax deed properties from the state of Arkansas for 50 bucks and turn around and sell them on eBay for 500. And so wow. there's a case study involved. I think I've personally done about 70 or 80 of these deals. And I had a girl, she just left me to go work for another land investor because she got pretty good at it. And <laughs> she was doing um, one to three a week for me. And that was her paycheck. She'd split profit with me 50-50. She just churned the deals out. She'd post them on Sundays, schedule them for the rest of the week. And then every month she'd buy 10 to 20 of them and we just keep churning them. So is land still a big deal on eBay? Because I'm, you know, I was in Investor Fuel for a long time. And uh, Ted Snyder is a member of Investor Fuel, and his whole thing was he's a one-man show. He bought houses off of auction sites. He used to go buy them off of auction.com and then mm -hmm. sell them without doing anything to them on eBay. But he said a couple of years ago, eBay kind of fell off on the single-family side of things. Is mm -hmm. it still a viable way to sell land? Up to a certain point, there's a certain price point where it doesn't work as well. So we found that under 500 bucks. It's really well. It's quick. They can pay with their credit card. Reach out to us. We give them the link to pay with their credit card. Uh, they'll send cashier's checks and do that. You know, we have sold some term contracts on there. You know, bid for your down payment and your payment is one twenty-five a month for the next seventy-two months, and we're in the property for you know a thousand bucks. So we've sold some really good term contracts like that. But it, it it's not at its heyday, but it's not something to out to to kind of sniff at. You know, it's it's a quick way to schedule those leads and get them out there. And you can, uh, you can entice the people on eBay too, by doing a $1 no reserve, yep. but, but charging a $299 doc, doc fee. fee, you know? And so gotcha. you're in it for 50 bucks and then you've got eBay fees and all that on top of it. Someone, if someone buys it for a dollar, well, you're still profiting off of the $300 doc fee. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. So anyways, that was a rabbit trail. We want to get back to hey, the no consulting worries. side of things and, and the coaching. So, um, you know, for, you know, you mentioned the book, for the people that want to get into this is say, for example, I, you know, we get leads all the time mm -hmm. from our direct mail and, and text campaigns where it's like, yeah, I don't want to sell this house, but I've got these five acres in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> if I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm like, Hey, I don't have all the knowledge. Can I just reach out to you guys and we JV on something? Is that something you guys do regularly with other people? Yeah, that's something that that's what my, my funding company set up as it's uh, pluminvestmentgroup.com. Okay. And it's set up exactly like that. You have a deal and you have a contract. I need to know the county, the state, the APN number, the owner's name, and your contract price. And then I look at the deal. And if there's a three times value, we can run it through title still. Has enough money to do that in there. Okay. Then we'll uh, we'll put up the funds and we'll okay. split it 50-50. Nice. So you guys put up the funds and you split it 50-50. Who mm -hmm. does the dispositions in that regard? Uh, you would. So you would, we would come, it would be held in our company's name. You would do all the marketing and selling and then it would come to us for the release at title on the backside or if we needed to draw the deed up. And then on that, you have seven days, we fund you back, back out. We did close to a hundred deals last year like that for nice. other investors. So my goal and was to do How many week. different states are you guys currently working in? I've worked 41 states in the last year. Nice. Which, you, which ones are on your radar to get those other nine checked <laughs> off? Well, I just, the we, profitable ones. Yeah. <laughs> We the just, ones that make money. We just mailed eight states, pretty much every out-of-state owner and out-of-county for select counties in there. Um, when we said we did 60,000 pieces of mail, so that kind of gives you an idea how many people live out-of-state for certain states. Right. And then we said anything from 20 acres to 500 acres. 
And you um, guys are making the offer within the piece of direct mail, right? Yeah. We send a contract with it. It's a purchase and sales agreement with a price on it. Yeah. All they have to do is sign and send it back and we open title. And I think That's that makes such a huge difference. Whereas like for, for myself in single family, I'm sending out a piece of mail that says, Hey, I'm interested in buying your house. Call me. Mm-hmm. And then I have to wait and the phones burn up. You know, we know mm-hmm. as soon as the direct mail hits, cause the phones are just on fire and half of them are telling me to F off and the other half are, you know, slightly interested. You know, you guys are sending out and it's like, Hey, this is my offer. This is what I'm willing to pay you. And if they're interested, they say, is there an opportunity for them to call you and negotiate the price? Yep. How yeah, often so does a, that happen in, in regards to just, you get a contract back? Most people are going to call or email back. I mean, gotcha. but it definitely does happen where people just sign it and mail it back. And then you'll never even, never even hear from them. You can just send it to title, send them a, uh, text or something and just send a title and get it closed. Right. But the strong majority of people will call or email and uh, a lot of people will want to negotiate and that's completely up to you whether you want to do it or not. If right. you uh, are solid on your number and stick with your number. But if you, let's say you offer 18,000, the property's worth, worth 50. We get them back all the time where they're like, no, I want a solid round 20,000. Yeah. You're, of course you're going to take that deal. Right. Right. Why wouldn't you? We go through and we check the access, check the topography, check the value at that point. And we say, man, this thing's worth 50 all day. Why wouldn't I give them 20? Right. And we call them back and say, hey, man, I can, you beat me up. I, I can give you your 20. <laughs> and we take it to market and roll. So it's, you know, that's an important thing that you said there on houses. The typical, the, the mindset is send a postcard, send a, I, I want to buy your house. And then you get, yeah, I want to sell it, but I want a million dollars and you're at a hundred grand. It's not, right. it doesn't work there. We've done blind offers on houses. We've done it on multifamily. And that's the, the cool thing about us as investors is we've done, you know, houses, multifamily, but we like land and we stick to land, but that doesn't mean tomorrow if I decided I want to shop DFW, I couldn't have mail in a box tomorrow. Um, we've built those, those systems for ourselves and our business. We just have to change the asset class out in the pricing, um, the pricing methodology that we use on the letter. And uh, right, so I, for, for the listeners that are listening right now and, and look, I have said this every time I've talked to anybody about land. I'm like, this sounds so sexy. Like, why, why am I not doing this? Why am I messing with houses, right? And, you know, if they're looking at this and it's like, hey, this sounds like something I want to get into, what's the best way to make that transition from single family to the mindset of now, hey, I'm going to go to land? So the biggest, the biggest gap, and I'll, and I'll jump in first because I see this a lot with our guys that were wholesaling and flipping. The biggest gap that they have to overcome is not to offer too much money on land because right. land that they don't live on, they're nowhere near. They'd say they live out of state. They don't have the emotional attachment to the house like they do on a house. So like on a house, typically if you come in and you made a blind offer on a neighborhood, you'd probably offer somewhere between 50 and 60% of ARV, of median comp value or something to that nature. Right. Um, on land, we're offering 20 to 35%. And so by doing that, you, a lot of house flippers will come in and they want to offer 50, 60% and they just eat up their margins really fast and they're offering way too much money and, it, and they lose some options they have, whether they want to get leveraged against it or they want to JV with somebody. And, you know, but the house flippers do really good is they're okay with a five to 10 or $12,000 margin or making a profit like that with no money out into it. So they, they help themselves on the sell side, but they hurt themselves on the buy. So that's, that mindset shift has to happen on price lower, the people aren't as emotional about it, and then you're going to go ahead and just creep it up if you need to, just once you see what your value is and you actually have that hot qualified lead in front of you. And that's, a, that's the important part is you're qualifying a lead with the price out there. If right. you say you're going to give somebody 10 grand, he wants 100, he's either going to call you and cuss you out or he's going to say, hey, no, I want 100 grand. You're too far apart. You're not even going to talk to him again. 
if he calls you back and says he wants 12 or 15, you're like, oh yeah, we're within a ballpark. Let's check this out make sure we've got access. We got value. We've got topography. We're ready to rock. Absolutely. And you know, I'll use a specific example of that. I remember we sent out a direct mail campaign one time and the phones were coming to me directly. And then I was the first person and then they were filtering down. And I remember I got a lead in Saginaw, Texas. It was for a vacant lot that, I mean, basically there was no comps. There nothing existed as far as new construction around it. It was basically something that's like, how do you even put a value on this? Like, mm -hmm. and, and in the meantime, my phone's just blowing up with actual leads that I wanted, right? The single family homes, the motivated sellers. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to look at the tax value of the lot and I'm going to offer just pennies and mm -hmm. just see if he accepts it. Cause really in my mind, I just wanted to check it off and be like, Hey, I made the offer and he told me <laughs> no. And so I, I remember calling him back and I was like, Hey, the, the best I could do for you is a thousand dollars. And he's like, how quickly can you close? And I'm like, Tomorrow. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> like I should have said $500. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, that was too much. You know, he's happy with this, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, the, I think, and I don't know how often you guys do this, but I would assume like understanding the motivation as to why they want to sell it. Because mm -hmm. like in this guy's scenario, this was his dad's, lot that he owned in Saginaw since like the 50s mm -hmm. and he's like my dad passed away and I'm like what am I going to do with this I don't even know why he owned it like he's been mm -hmm. mowing it for 70 years like I don't yeah. even know understand why he owns it I don't want to mow it I don't want to have to pay the taxes on it and so for him he was like a thousand dollars like that just yeah. paid my mortgage for a month for something I didn't even want you know so I think that's important. How often do you guys, when you do receive the phone calls, are you guys kind of asking about the motivation as to why they want to sell? A lot of times they'll, they'll just tell you, right? Yeah. So we don't have to figure out the motivation on the front end because they've already got our offer and, and they know, the lead right, we qualified it. Um, a lot of times when they call, some of these people, they just want to talk. You know, I'm sure you run into that too a lot, yep. right? But you just get them on the phone, you start asking questions about the land itself and that brings out all this other stuff. And before you know it, you know their cousins, uncles, names and stories and mm -hmm. everything all in between. Yeah, the common thing with land you'll see for us is when we're, we're shopping uninhabited, it's recreational, vacant, rural land, is that there was a dream there at one point that was going to be the retirement place. And some, one of the spouses is usually passed and they're ready to kind of move on from the dream. The other one, it's generational land. It's been passed down and they, they see the offer at us as real cash now. So, oh, my dad left me this 40 acres in Oklahoma. I've never been to it. I know he planted some trees on it at one time and you sent him a check for $16,000. Now that dad left me 16 grand. This is amazing. They don't know that it's worth 45 or 50. Right. They just, they just don't, they just never cross their mind. To them, that $16,000 covers this is a true story, covers the camera costs for his guy's photography business, fixes the car, and takes his wife on a vacation. Dad did that for him. Right. And that's what he's happy about. Um, yep. We get a lot, like we, like I said, we just put a bunch of properties in escrow. We've got 12 right now that we put in escrow. And seven of those have either a, some kind of quiet title suit that's going to take place because these are bigger properties and, mm -hmm. you know, we're offering pretty low. So we're, I think off those, we're in them for like 300, 350,000 bucks and they're worth over a million dollars. Wow. And so, you know, but we're fixing, uh, we've got two quiet title suits that have three deaths in the chain of title. We're doing some probate work. We're doing some Indian affair work. There are things like that, that 
as we moved up in product type and got better at this, we had to become more technically savvy. So there's a, there's a term, you know, you can either create value or you can add value. And we're creating this value because we're having to fix these problems for these people. There's no way they could sell it with a realtor because the realtor wouldn't even know what to do with it. Right. So we're hiring the right attorney. We're hiring the right person and put them in place. And we're creating that value there because this property is really just left out there to, to rot away for the rest of eternity because nobody can sell it because really nobody owns it. Well, and, and I will say, you know, I, I had a episode a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago with uh, Carl Spielvogel out of North Carolina. And he, he calls himself crazy uncle Carl. And that's because <laughs> he does crazy deals. Uh-huh. And, and one of his deals was similar to this where it's, you know, it's a vacant lot that literally he was buying the house. And then they said, Hey, the contingency is you can buy the house, but you've got to buy this lot. And, and you got to buy the lot for $500. And all he had to do was get an attorney involved, spend about $3,000, uh, work on an easement issue that he had. And he ended up selling that lot for $84,000. So, yep. you know, he ended up netting over $80,000 on something that somebody saw as, Hey, if you pay me $500 and buy this house, like you can have it like, mm-hmm. and, and having that knowledge, and, and really, it's not even about you having the knowledge. It's about having the right people, like you said, the right attorneys and making mm-hmm. sure you can get it done. Um, I see that there's a level of sophistication that comes along with land as you get more and more involved in it and you have more volume. You know, it's just like anything else. When I first started wholesaling, I didn't understand what I was doing. Yeah. And then that led to, okay, now I'm going to start flipping. I didn't understand what I was doing. Same thing with rentals and owner finance and Airbnb, Airbnbs, all the different things that we've done. It just takes experience and working with the right people. That's why I wanted to bring up about JVing with you guys. You know, I would see that as being another huge added bonus to working with you guys is just the knowledge that y'all are going to bring to those unique situations. So anyways, I want to wrap this up with one last question. Um, You know, with you guys, and then this is a good segue. I didn't purposely do this. It just makes me sound like a better host. Um, Tell me, tell me a crazy deal or one of your best stories with land uh, that y'all want to share with the, the audience. You want to say best stories? I think one for me was you asked if anybody ever sends a contract just back, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting, I get this phone call and it's this guy in California. He calls me and goes, hey man, I sent you this contract. I haven't heard back from you. What's going on? And I was like, honestly, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, I mailed it this week. I hadn't heard from you though. So I go to the PO box, open it up and this guy sends me a letter. And it's for 135 acres in Oklahoma. I'd offered like $347 an acre. And I'm like, I'm looking at this contract, the property he's telling me, and I'm just like, there is no way. Like, this is not real. So I get home. I probably call Adam and said, dude, I just got 135 acres back. And it was set up weird. It was like 40 acres and then the contiguous 90 down here, 85 at the bottom. Um, had access on two different points. I mean, it was beautiful. And so I'm like, man, there's, this, is, this has got to be a trick. And the guy's great-grandfather bought it for the minerals. Then he gave it to his son. So great-grandfather uh, leased it to the family next door because they had a section. They ran their cows on it. Um, There's a handshake lease for four generations. The three sons that ended up with it, one of them had passed away, and they just wanted to sell it. They, they didn't need it. They'd never been there. Um, so we had to do a quiet title. So it was one of those things, my first quiet title experience. So we paid an attorney $2,500 to get it all cleaned up, the title work, got it all done ended up uh, selling it to that neighbor that had four generations of leased it, sold it to them for a close to a hundred thousand dollar profit. Oh, and, wow. and it was just being there. I got a gun pulled on me on during it. When I went to look at the property, I normally <laughs> we don't go look at properties, but this was close enough that I had to go look. 
I just couldn't believe that I just owned this 135 acre ranch now. Right. Yeah, the next door neighbor pulls a gun. I tell him I'm there with the family. I'm just looking at the property. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Let me show you where to get in at. Walks <laughs> me up there. Then his son ended up buying it from me so they could have more family land there and gave me hunting rights for the rest of my life on it if I wanted them. Wow, that's so, cool. What about so you, Adam? A, you, got, you got a cool story? I got a crazy story. I don't know if it's cool or not. It's kind of a long one. So I'm a, I'll shorten it as much as I can. But essentially, I bought this gorgeous piece of property. I mean, it was gorgeous. And it was owned by a lady who had um, inherited it from her mom and dad when they passed away. There was no will. She just kept paying the taxes on it for years and years. And she gets our marketing. She calls. She wants to sell. Say, hey, you know, you're the only child. We got to do a quiet title. Get this changed over to your name. Yada, yada, yada. We go through the whole process. She goes in front of a judge. She signs off on the deal. There's attorneys involved. I buy the land. The day after I buy the land, her uh, this guy shows up at the title company and says, you guys sold my piece of property yesterday, and I didn't know what's going on. And turns out well, she was not an only child, <laughs> and instead there was 14 brothers and sisters who all had a right to that property, and oh, she had wow. sold it out from underneath all of them. Wow. You know, people are crazy, man. I, yeah. yeah. I've got a deal going on right now, and I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm still 50-50. I don't know if it's a scam or if uh -huh. it, he's actually the owner of the property because all I know is is when I showed up, there was a woman in the driveway that didn't know who I was and didn't know why I was there to look at the property, but uh -huh. she had the right name, and this guy is claiming he is who he is, and I'm just like, I don't know what to believe right now. You know, yeah. it's like a scenario like this. Yeah. How did she think she was going to get away when you have 14 <laughs> brothers and sisters? Like you didn't think <laughs> one of them yeah. was going to wonder? Land. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, 13 of them lived nowhere near. They never would have known. It was yeah. just one. Um, he had uh, horses on the property. And she told him after she got the money, she told him, oh, hey, by the way, you need to get your horses off. I sold that property yesterday. And he's wow. like, hmm, what? You know? And so we worked it out. I, I gave him back the property for what I had into it because um, I didn't want to steal it from him right. if, it, if he thought it was his land, right? And now, now it's actually rightfully in his name. So it, it helped everyone out in the um, long, run. long run. But I missed out on probably $80,000 profit because um, <laughs> you know, she did what she did. And I, we right. hired the attorney. I thought that we had done it, done it properly. It, we never would have known that he was the brother if we wouldn't have found like a an old a, obituary. Yeah, an old obituary that we found in one of these like old, old papers Jeez. online. And it to prove that's how he proved that he was who he was. Well, I always say don't celebrate until a closing, but yeah. even in this scenario, like you could have <laughs> celebrated and then, yeah. and then it'd still get your heart broken. So you never know yeah. in real estate. So uh Adam Justin, thank you so much for taking the time today. I very much appreciate it. Um, one more last time, where can the people find the book that you're giving away for $7.99? The book is coffeemoneyrei.com. Gotcha. And then our podcast and all the information for our training and stuff like that is casualfridaysrei.com. Yep. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Uh, guys, remember if you're listening on iTunes, we only accept five-star ratings. <laughs> want to give a four-star rating, don't go to their podcast. Go to somebody else's. Um, and if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. <laughs>